This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. We have Ryan Lipinski. Likely, you know Ryan from bands like Unearthly Trance, The Howling Wind, Thraldom, Villains, Serpentine Path, and a ton of other killer bands. Most recently, Ryan is a founding member of Reeking Aura, a band that I'm really stoked on. And uh, for anyone who's been uh, paying attention, they rate very highly on uh, the 2022 best of list with their LP Blood and Bone Meal available on Profound Lore Records. Reeking Ore is kind of a uh, death metal supergroup featuring members that have done time in bands like Artificial Brain, Buckshot Facelift, and BioLich. So uh, yeah, this is going to be a really cool episode if you're into death metal and stuff like that. Before we get going, I want to shout out my fellow horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Of course, that is Horrorwolf666, hosted by Brandon Legion, Jackie Smith of Into the Necrosphere, a podcast that has enlightened me to a ton of great bands. And I have to thank Jackie for his uh, diligence in uh, seeking out some uh, lesser-known bands and um, my musical catalog has expanded quite a bit this is everything went black of course i return on thursdays with my co-hosts mike scandato and jeff Kashid for necromaniacs sunday the lord's day we return with carl Hikara and soul knox for all things esoteric arcane and blasphemous Before we get going, I just want to invite everyone, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can join the Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the show and get access to a ton, a metric ton of bonus material. Pretty much weekly, I got stuff coming out as bonus material. For $5 a month, you get all the bonus material plus early access to these shows. Yeah, it's quite a deal. Hey, Ryan. So what brings you to the Garden State, man? I was really stoked to find out that you uh, you moved out here. Um, basically, I lived in Brooklyn for about 10 years. And um, me and my wife, we kind of got sick of it, honestly. We had no space and things like not even having a parking spot and just kind of got to us after a while and we decided that we wanted to live somewhere outside of the New York city area, but still accessible. So we wound up in South orange, which is a really cool town. And we wound up having a child like seven years ago. And here we are I've been in Jersey for seven years, eight years, actually. It's been that long that you've been out here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Dude, I guess, I guess it's been eight years since um, we, were, we were doing, I was like working yeah. working on that side project with you guys. And that's probably about eight, eight years ago. I know. I was thinking about it myself. I can't believe how much time has gone by. 
even since I like we did that, it's like the older you get, the more time flies. You know. I know, man. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is, but I try to try not to like dwell on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't definitely. So I found out about this new band that you're in called Reeking Aura. And yes. uh, I had no idea who was in the band. I just heard it. It was like one of those things where, um, you know, you're you're on. In my case, I was on uh, Apple Music, mm-hmm. listening to a bunch of death metal, and then you get recommended some stuff, and then I hear Reeking Aura. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this band's sick. Let me check it out. It turns out that I know like half of the guys. Well, not half of the guys, but I know a couple of different members in that band. Right. Or I'm at least familiar with their past work. Like I don't really know Will personally, but right. Yeah, you know, I'm a fan of uh, Artificial Brain. You know, when he, that's when I found out first saw him because we we played with those guys like years ago, and and you're in the band. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It kind of it started off as just a little project idea between me and Rick. Um, who's from Gray Skies Fallen. Right. And we've talked for years, like, oh, we got to do a side project. We got to do a death metal side project, just, you know, like old school. And so we always kicked around the idea. And I would say even almost, I think about 10 years ago, I came up with a few songs. We're like, yeah, let's do this. And then I kind of, we, we, we talked about it and then it kind of faded away. And I started just cataloging songs. And then we revisited the idea a couple of years later. And, you know, him... And his the dudes from his other band, uh, Buckshot Facelift, they were kind of inactive. And so Terrell and Tom both lived in New Jersey, and I moved to New Jersey. So like, oh, we should get together and jam. And that's where the beginning of Reconora started. And once we kind of got some music going, those guys, Will was their vocalist in Buckshot Facelift. So they were like, oh, let's just get Will to sing in this band. And we kind of just started from there. Yeah, I, I, I knew that Will was also in Buckshot Facelift, but I, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen him play in um, Artificial Brain. And uh, I remember the first time I saw them uh, was out in uh, Ridgewood at that place. Uh, not, not the, it's some fucking little tiny spot out there. It was them, Imperial Triumphant, Ava Turner, uh, and like, you know, that kind of bill. Right. And I was like, man, these guys are fucking killer man because it's got the super technical stuff and then it's got the ignorant like slams and i was totally right up my alley you know what i mean yeah absolutely and uh so as far as like getting together with like he's he's out in long island i think right yeah will's out in i think the cunnington area and our drummer is also out in long island sam so we have two members from long island three from jersey and Rick is out in Pennsylvania, so we're spread out. So how do you work out the logistics of practice and all that? It's kind of interesting with this band is that we, we all do a lot of homework on our own. And for the most part, I wrote majority of the music. So I demoed them to like a drum machine, just in a rough sketch. And I'd send it to everyone. And everyone's like such pros. And they kind of learn the parts. And we, we discuss it. And we get together just a handful of times to rehearse. And we just pull it together like that. It's kind of like... We're not super serious about rehearsal, but we're all super serious about making sure everyone's got their their stuff together when you when, once we do rehearse. So it's a lot of like preparation and homework. You know, that's kind of the way things are going these days. I find that even within my own process, I'm yeah. approaching things in a similar way, you know? 
it, it's kind of frees you up a bit because I think sometimes you get into the, the the idea of just rehearsing every week and like just grinding it out when there's kind of other ways you can do things that can be just as like productive. You know what? In it some really ways, on, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. It just depends on the players. You know, like you know, if some people are really like intuitive and other people like to just you know kind of feel it out. So depends on and everybody in Bikinora is really like honestly everybody's talented so it's like makes it super easy yeah definitely man and and i find uh sometimes like i, I don't know your experience but like it's almost counterproductive when you get too many guys in the room together and you're trying to write songs you know what i mean it sounds weird but oh, yeah. i think that's also the case too it's definitely you know the old too many cooks in the kitchen thing can always happen if you're trying to write together but I think it's always important to have something to bring to the table and there's a lot of people in the mix so you, you know there's a focus and like we're a band that makes like the most use of our time as we possibly can so we're always like straight down the business so where where is the actual meeting spot where you guys all get together is it um, somewhere in between everywhere or what's well what's that through the history, originally we rehearsed at Tom's house for a long time, who's our bassist, and he had a kid, you know, actually had two kids, so we stopped rehearsing there a couple of years ago, and in that time we got a new drummer in Sam, who played on the album, so Sam's out in Massapequa, so depending on who was available, certain people would go out and rehearse with them, so we, we didn't always do full band rehearsals, which is kind of an interesting, it was more like getting Sam caught up on the the material that we had already ready to go so because of like the um you know the pandemic we did our demo or our ep just we just finished it before like march 2020 and then everything shut down and so all we did was write and kind of get prepared in the process we lost our drummer original drummer keith um and so we just waited to find a drummer and once we found a drummer we had all this material ready to go. So it was a matter of just like having him catch, catch us to where we were at with the material. And then once he, he learned it really quickly. So it was awesome to like, just jump in the studio with him and he knew like all the songs. And once we, once we knew that, like that he could just learn so quickly, it kind of just like everything went very smoothly. Did you produce the demos like internally like within the band did you guys have like a recording set up and just kind of worked on it together or? um as far as like the um i demo ideas at home through garage band or whatever i just like create drum beats and stuff i've been doing it for years and so right. I, i'll send them my primitive idea like nothing fancy just to kind of get the idea down like here's here's the five riffs four riffs whatever and then we, you know we may fine tweak it and you know adjust as needed and those guys also add in all their harmonies and stuff like i, I kind of come up with the basic you know riffs and simple root notes and like um terrell and rick do a lot of like harmonies and counterpoints and cool stuff that like makes the riffs kind of sound more unique and just jumps out because we have three guitars so we try to make it interesting three guitars man i wonder what that's like. that's <laughs> like live that must be crushing it is, but it's also like, it's a little like chaos because I'm not used to it. I'm used to, in RK Trance, I was the only guitarist, so like I always heard my stuff. So like when you hear all this other stuff going on, like you have to really remember where you fit in in the mix so you can kind of get lost. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's like a wall of sound just like coming out, but 
it sounds great in front, but on stage, it's a little chaotic. <laughs> I really want to see you guys. Like, I haven't, uh, I know you're playing, or either you played or are playing out on Long Island at some point. I think. Yeah, we, two couple of weeks ago, we played Long Island with Pyrexia, and that oh, was right awesome. On. Yeah. And we're playing St. Vitus soon. That's not been announced yet, but that no, should be coming. Don't, don't announce yeah. it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's coming up. Right, it's coming up in a couple months, right? For sure. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to I'm going to make it out for that. If uh, definitely, man. Awesome. Because I like I'm now that I mean I I just the music itself is is great, and that you have three guitar players. I'm being a guitar player myself. I'm intrigued by how that comes off live. Like, you know, is yeah. it um, you know, is one guy sort of like doing more like accented type stuff and you and I, i'm just really interested to see how that plays out yeah I'm, I'm sure not all three of you guys are like chugging away at the rhythm all the time you know what i mean no it's kind of like um you kind of weave in and out on the album my guitar is down the center and so i kind of do the bass the more basic riff oriented stuff and i also do leads so that's kind of my role but like and Rick and Terrell are on the left and right channels and they kind of add in harmonies and flourishes and other parts that kind of change more than stuff I do. So it, it kind of just has different flourishes with each guitarist. And we try not to step on each other's toes either. Like it's a little difficult, you know, because it can get muddled if you're not really focused. But like I said, we try to just keep it as tight as possible and, you know, just not play too much either. Have you, know, worked, like, so, have you worked with those guys before in different bands? Uh, no. I was actually, yeah, years ago, in 2000 maybe, the year 2000, uh, Grace Guys Fallen, I think it was 2000, or 99, 2001, I forget. Uh, they played San Antonio Metal Fest and they needed a bassist. So I, I filled in and played bass for Grace Guys Fallen at a metal fest years ago. I've been friends with those guys ever since. Unearthly Trance played with Grace guys following a lot. And, you know, we just knew those guys forever. So they're like pretty close friends of the band. And like the drummer of Grace guys following Sal comes from the same town as me. Like I'm, I'm from Mastic, New York, which is way out east in Long Island. Yeah. So there's a lot of common threads. I, I mean, I didn't know Will up until recently, but I always knew of him and I know like, the connections through different friends of bands, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's a great front man. He's actually one yeah. of my one of my favorite front men in the, the tri-state area when it comes to metal, for sure. Yeah, and he, he's kind of like effortless. Like he goes in and traps his vocals like so quick, like so easily. I was like, wow, you did that that easily. Like he's <laughs> he's impressive. Like you know, I've tried to do harsh vocals and death metal vocals over the years, and. I kind of find it challenging. It's like effortless for him, so I'm always impressed to just see how much power he has. It's crazy. Yeah, and his vocals are a lot different in uh, Reeking Aura than yeah, they are in yeah. Artie Brain, for sure. Yeah, it's more like straightforward, kind of old-school death metal focus, like the mid-range, not, so, not so, so much of the other kind of voices he's known to do, but I think that's what's cool about this band is it's a little bit more down the middle, old-school, and he loves that shit, too, so it's good balance yeah it's funny grace guys fallen like we were supposed to play with them twice uh the, the lineup was us them and evoking and the first yes. time was out on staten island and uh that show got canceled because of you know the pandemic you know it was, it was right mm -hmm. at the very beginning we we're supposed to play again 
last well it's still 2022 now we're doing this so in 2021 last year we were supposed to play with evoking and gray skies fallen as like the rescheduled show in november then i got covid and we had to bail Uh on that show so i at some point i really love to play with those guys because they're a sick band you know they're great yeah that would that that and it would make sense too it's like yeah this there's that i mean i've thought about it that's too many local like you know metal bands that are really have been stayed around for a while like a lot of bands come and go in the new york area and so it's interesting that like a lot of the older bands still still kicking that haven't really like grace guys like they've done stuff but they're still kicking around like hungry to do stuff so it's cool yeah yeah definitely so i only know i'm only really familiar with the lp blood and bone meal and I, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten around to listening to the EP yet, uh, beneath mm-hmm. the canopy of compost. So was that – now, the, the material that you had written that sort of compiled over the years, is it spread out among bo- both of those releases or is it primarily on the EP? Um, the EP is the first three songs I wrote. Okay. For sure. And then from there, it kind of gets a little different. We pick and we picked and choose which like songs we wanted to use for the album, but for the most part, it, it kind of just went in sequential order as I wrote because the first couple of songs I wrote a long time ago, and I think one th- the first four songs were written a long time ago, and then the rest were written after we got together and did the um, early stages of the band. So it's like the depth is it's not too different. I mean, we recorded it with Colin, just like. The, uh, album and so it has the same feel different drummer but i think the album we just like develop stuff a lot more for you know with three guitars and just the overall vibe of the band yeah i imagine uh you know, colin i'm a fan of colin's work i i like someday i'd like to go out there and work with him at some point you know but uh yeah. he's done he's kind of like the go-to guy it seems like in the new york metal you know world and uh you know he does a really good job on all this stuff and Man, trying to mix like three guitars is definitely seems like it would be a challenge. Like finding the place for each one of those instruments within the within the mix. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was a challenge, and I think we approached it kind of by like um, having different guitar sounds. Like going like my I went with my old school solid state guitar app to get that old school like death metal feel, and. Rick had a more modern sound. So it, it was just like we used different sounds and we try to cut through in different ways. But like I said before, the main way we did it was having each guitar being different, you know, the center where I am and Rick and Terrell are on the left and right channels, pretty hard pan. So it's like, that's how I think we're going to do it moving forward. And even how we set up live, it's kind of like we have to have some sort of um, spectrum of sound where we, where we each belong placement. You mentioned a solid state amp. Are you using uh, like what Randall's or Laney's or something like that? Um, Ampeg. Ampeg. Okay. Yeah, Ampeg VH150. Oh, SS150. But the old um, 90s Ampeg solid state. Uh, it's like the uh, like the Assuck uh, amp, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, like I got used a few, you know, and Soylent Green, a couple other bands over the years have used them. They're really loud and like heavy, but. It's just it's it's only for certain things, but for death metal, it's perfect. Yeah, I know Sammy from Goat Horror is a big fan yeah. of the solid state amps. Like he uses uh Randall's pretty much. Yeah, exclusively. I, use, I have a Randall too, but it doesn't work anymore. But I, 
my first amp was a Randall Solid State. So I've actually played a lot of Solid State amps over the years because they've like lasted, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, on the road too, man. Like you don't have to worry about tubes breaking and you know, yeah. there's less less maintenance on those types of amps too. Yeah, if you, if you get them set up properly, they'll last forever. Like you know, it's kind of. I've had I have two of these amp bags that I've had over twenty years. So one of them, one of them fifteen years, one of them twenty years, and I still use them. Now, just just on a you know, if, if, for my own information, are do those have um, like the gain? Do you need a pedal or to use the actual ga- amp gain? Um, they have a good amount of gain, but I've always used a boost in front of them. So I kind of hit the front end hard, but they have a lot of gain and an extreme amount of low end. So they they definitely crank. You know, it's funny that uh, now it's turned into this kind of gear talk, but that's okay. <laughs> it's funny, like I even like I I played through um, you know, a, a fifty one fifty. I have the EVH and I got the the PV, and then before that I was using a dual rectifier, and I've always put uh, a tube screamer even with those tube heads too, because there's something about putting, putting like a, you know, that kind of a pedal in the front, it just tightens it up a lot too, you know? I agree. And I think it kind of comes from the old school metal way, like tube screamer in front of the Mar- like old school marshals, like classic metal sound. And there's something about that, like that mid range push it gives to the, the distortion character that makes it sound awesome. And I think it's like a metal thing, you know, like you just want to push it a little bit further. Like, and you can kind of control a little bit more of the, um, like the character of it, of your guitar. So I think it's, it's awesome. I've always, I'm not really a distortion pedal guy, but I have a, like a rat. That's my favorite distortion pedal. But otherwise I use boosts to just kind of like crank up the level, not, not the tonal characteristics. It's like more definition, I think, or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the other guys, they use like, like what, like, you know, like 6505s or 5150s. Yeah, we were using angle. most of that. And um, that's the kind, yeah, I think we used what Colin had in the studio, actually. His amps are amazing. He has some old school 5150s, and Rick has a VHT amp that's pretty awesome. Oh, that's yeah, like man. Main- yeah, VHT made, made, they made good stuff. I think that's, uh, they got bought by a company called Ag- Aguiar, I think, possibly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're hard to find. Yeah, the, the VHT stuff is great, man. I wish I had some one of those. Yeah, we had a we had a variety of um, different sounds, but I think you know for this we just kind of really I don't know we just just did it intuitively. And looking back, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But the guitar gear is always something that I can always get really into. <laughs> yeah, totally. So who who put out the EP? I, I know that uh, Profound Lore did the LP, and like I said, I'm not um, I, those three songs. I'm not, I haven't heard them yet. I haven't even dug yeah, into the EP. Yeah, uh, I think we put it out on Bandcamp. It was just like you know our first thing, and then Parasitic Records put it out on cassette, and that was it. I love cassettes, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the album just came out of cassette too, so that's cool. I In the same one. label. Yeah, yeah parasitic did. oh parasitic did the did the uh cassette yeah yeah okay yeah how'd you meet up with uh with bruni for uh for profound lore um it's kind of interesting because i didn't have any dealings um rick has been talking to chris for a while and bruni put out the artificial brain and 
so he's very familiar with Will. And I think once he heard we had something going on, he was interested. And so Rick, um, I showed him stuff that we were working on. He seemed really excited. And so we, we did the album and recorded it on our budget. And then we brought it to him and he said, you know, you're interested in putting this out. And he totally was. So we kind of um, presented it to him. But I've, I worked with Profound Law in the past years and years ago with my older bands, Thraldom and um, The Howling Wind. Oh, yeah. Like the early days of the label. So he's familiar with me and we've worked in the past. So I think he knew that, you know, he could trust who was coming up with the stuff. And once he heard it, he was totally on board. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a cool label. It's very uh, diverse. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's like some black metal stuff on there. You got, uh, you know, uh, sort of like post-punk stuff. You have Photocrime. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of death metal. Uh, yeah. Doom. You know, all the pretty pretty wide variety of stuff that comes out on that. Label. Yeah, and I think for me, I like that. Like, I don't like just like genre labels. You know, this label only puts out this kind of death metal. To me, it's like more interesting to be on a the wider spectrum label because you know someone that may not check it out will check it out just based on like hey i like this label let's see what these guys are so that aspect is cool to me in, in a way this band was sort of uh the like the genesis of this band kind of happened like in and around like the last couple of years of uh you know not being able to tour or do anything like that so what what's that been like? Have you guys gone out on the road or anything? Or you know, I know that you're um, playing actually, regionally. Yeah, the guys um, they actually did a five day little trip down south, and I didn't go because I'm a stay at home dad, so I can't really do the Monday through Thursday uh, shows anymore. So they did it with two guitars, which is totally fine, and it went awesome for them. So we're, we're kind of like a band that was going to make it work. Like if a bassist can't play, we'll have a fill-in. If a drummer can't play, we're going to get a fill-in because there's six of us. So our schedules are pretty complicated to always make work with six people. So we're just kind of flexible in that respect. But th- those guys, like they're full force to go on tour and I'm going to play the shows I can and the ones I can't, it's okay. And that's just kind of the way we're going to look at it. Like, we're kind of like a, a team, a unit, and, you know, we, we'll make it work. And I've been in bands in the past where it's like, no, it can only be us. It can't have anyone else. And it's cool to be that way, but I much appreciate the more easygoing, like, we can get someone to fill in. It's cool. And I think it makes sense, especially this day and era, you know. Yeah, I think that's a very, very healthy way of approaching things, especially as you get older. And uh, you yeah. know, I, I've been through many, many different lineup changes. And I know. I, and... I, won- I wonder about how that is for you. Like, <laughs> does it feel like you're always starting from scratch or do you just like kind of get inspired by the new people you're working with? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's sort of been like, a grad, like a, the members have gradually changed with the exception of one lineup. Uh, one lineup, pretty much the whole thing kind of fell apart like around. Uh, oh, wow around the release of our record on metal blade which was like the highest yeah. profile label that we were on ever i, I remember that at the time like to me it was very important but literally when we were this this isn't a story i tell that often but like you know when when we were recording the album things just kind of like collapsed like with the lineup uh, you know and and uh i went out we had a tour booked right after that 
and I basically went on that tour with all all fill-ins, you know? Wow. And um, that's when I kind of, like, learned that it's like, you know what, man? You know, the, the band as an entity has to keep going. Um, right. You know, and you just kind of do what you got to do. And uh, but since then, it's been real solid. That's like that was like five years ago at this point. You know, talking oh. about talking about time time flying. You know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was well, a while cool, though, because sometimes th things need to happen that way, and you have to restructure things, and then suddenly it's like working real smooth. You know. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's kind of how it's been. I mean, you know, not everyone is available for everything, and like for example, our yeah. our other other guitar player is. Uh, you know, he plays in Psychroptic. He's always on the road doing different things yeah. with other bands. So sometimes he, he's not available, you know, so we got other guys oh, that can play. It's, it's a good way to go about doing business, I think. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're in this exact situation right now is um, our drummer, Sam, he plays in six, seven, eight bands. I can't keep track. And he's also like an underground wrestler. So he's oh, really? constantly busy. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we have a fill in drummer that we're going to start working in so he can play when sam can't make it so we're just like trying to be as e easy as can be and you know not have to say no to offers that we want to play because that's never fun you know oh totally man that that's like i said that's a really healthy way about you know proceeding yeah sure. and, and you know it's like you don't have to take things so seriously but at the same time like you want to be available and it's not about one person so for us because there's so many of us it's like it's not about the ego within this band. It's just about like making it work and like a team team effort for sure. Yeah, it's always the drummers are always in like you know like in yeah. like eight or nine, ten different it's, bands. It, you know, <laughs> it's an amazing thing like that. The drummers get a good drummer is a rare thing. And once once someone's known as a good drummer, forget it. Like they'll just get they like field offers. You know, it's like um, maybe I'll take that band on. I don't know. Like, but. Guitar players, you know, there's a million of them. Oh, yeah. It just, Dime it, it, does. It, speaks, <laughs> it speaks to the difficulty of becoming a really good drummer, I think. Yeah, and that's like the the building block of the band, really. That's like the most important member in a lot, in so yeah. many ways, you know, especially in extreme music. You know, it's like the kind of drumming that's required for a band like Reeking Aura. Not just, yeah. any, you can't just grab somebody off the street and put them behind it's the so kit. It's so true. You know, it's got to be very specific, you know. Yeah, it's a certain style, and it's like more, more than anything, I think it's stamina to be able to like play double bass for a really long time, stuff like that that most people don't do often. But you know, I think a whole song you just got to be cranking on the double bass drum. It's you know, it's a talent. <laughs> I, I could never, I could play drums a little bit, but I could never play a death metal song without falling Dude, apart. I can't, I can't play drums whatsoever. Oh yeah, <laughs> I tried. You know what I mean? And like, I just don't have it in me, man. I played drums once in a band. Do you remember Villains? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I was yeah, like the original, original drummer of the band. We recorded like a demo, and I gave up right after that. I was like, I cannot do this. <laughs> I have that demo. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think we would have played back back in the day. We played a show together. Either. Were, were you because in Villains on that show? I was in Villains up to the second album. Okay, so, so was, yeah. All right. I was the, yeah, one of the early members, Dude. me and Jay Newman. That was at uh, that place, the Rockstar Bar. Yep. <laughs> and uh, under the Br Williamsburg Bridge. Yeah, that place is classic. Dude, does that? I I don't even think that place exists anymore. I can't. No, I think it got like like 
remodeled into a completely different building. Like you wouldn't even recognize it now. Yeah, that whole that whole run that was at uh, yeah. West, not West Street. What the hell is that called? Anyway, that area. It's like yeah, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, it used to be called the Ship's Mast, I believe, too. Yeah, Rocky. Remember the the old guy oh that dude, ran the place? I, that guy. I was. <laughs> I used to see him at I used to I used to lift weights at this gym in Williamsburg when I lived around oh, there. Yeah. And I used to see uh-huh. that guy like walk in like you know, <laughs> like wife beater. He would just walk in and like do a bunch of pull ups and then leave. But he <laughs> was amazing. like shredded. The dude at the time yeah, at that yeah. time, he had to have been like fifty years old back then. Yep, yep. He was he was tough. Dude. What's his story? Do you know what his backstory is? I have no idea. I know he he died like few years later or something after that i'm pretty sure but i had no i know someone must know his story that i would love to know myself dude i i have like made up my own stories about that guy <laughs> like just observing him I, I i've seen so many bands at that place and we played there yeah that place is like early 2000s like Brooklyn metal scene that's where it was like all the underground band like we all lots of bands played together there like in just a tiny little you know crappy bar we just basically set up our own shows, if I remember. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think that show, like... The show that we all played together was like us, villains, and there was like a third band on that bill, and I can't even remember at this point. Yeah, I got to find I, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it, maybe it was uh, like Battle battle Torn or something like that, possibly. Yeah, yeah. definitely possible. Yeah, dude, those, that was that was like one of our, probably our 10th show or something like that, man. That was cool. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, what is that? 15, 16, 17 years ago? I can't even Damn. keep track. Crazy. But <laughs> that, that guy, Rocky, though, man, I always, like, would think, like, you know, what's this guy? I'd see him around, you know, and I'm like, he's, he's like, probably, like, connected with the mob or something. Yeah, Or, or like, definitely. used to be a boxer, you know, or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, he looked like he could, like, kick someone's ass in the street, no problem, like, whoever don't mess with them that guy couldn't exist in that neighborhood these days probably yeah that's the, the sad thing about that neighborhood is, is like it, it really is completely different like it looks different you're like you don't even remember you go down a certain street and like i don't know what this where this was but i like i used to live on grand street I, I can't even find where i used to live like it's like totally changed yeah totally i i um i, I lived in greenpoint for you know i don't know yeah 15 15 almost 20 years probably you know and uh for 10 of those years it was in the same spot and then uh but yeah so you drive around that area and you're like you know a lot of it's completely alien like especially that run under the williamsburg bridge it was like just desolate like back then there was like nothing there really yeah yeah and now it's like all like built up and there's like these high rises and stuff like that it's crazy yeah it's polar opposite totally different You've you've also speaking of people who played in a lot of bands, like you've been in tons of bands. Like Villains is, I almost forgot pretty much that you were in that band. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Yeah, you know, an unearthly trance. Like, is what's the story with with UT? Um, well, we kind of just decided to stop playing a while ago, and then our drummer moved down south, so we kind of were it just inactive. I wouldn't say we broke up, but. We're kind of like not doing anything anymore and it's cool and we i think we made a decision just that if we were we were done playing we would just stop playing and that's where we're at 
I always imagine unearthly trance, and you can see I have a very uh, active imagination. You know, about stuff. <laughs> I'm always like making up my own stories about things. Um, unearthly trance always struck me as a band that would maybe there'd be like long periods of inactivity, but then an, an album would come out or something. You know. Yeah, uh, um, there was for sure. I think in the early days we were much more active. And then over the years, like, yeah, we'd go a while without playing. And then the thing with us is, like, we could put stuff together, like, very quickly because, like, we, it was just us three playing together for years and years and years. So we got really good at being really efficient, like, with rehearsal and stuff to the point where, like, we would just show up to shows, like, make up the set list, unrehearse, and play. That's, that's like, the kind of band we'd be, just, like, very loose. But when we had like an album to do, we just like get serious and, you know, get the songs in order. And like, I think recording was one of the favorite parts of Unearthly Trans because we always got creative and, you know, tried to make each album different than the last. I think we're the kind of band that's, you know, we were a little early to the, to the party, so to speak, with like this kind of black doom sound in the early 2000s. And, we kind of flew under the radar most of the time. So it allowed us, like we didn't have this huge demand for us. So we could like chill for a while and then come back, like regrouped. Like we broke up in 2012 and we did Serpentine Path for a couple of years. Yeah. And then came back in 2015 and started doing Unearthly Trance again. That Serpentine record is sick, man. I, I, that that's I, we actually played with you guys at, at Vitus, like when. That's uh, right. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. a great, great show, man. Yeah, I always let. That's like I'm like the one guy who would still do Serpentine Path if really? they wanted to. Yeah, I just think it's like for whatever reason, no one wants to do it anymore, and I respect their reasons. But I'm like, it was the only band I just got to be a vocalist in, so I, I love the idea of just like. You know, it's kind of fun to be a vocalist and not have to like play guitar and worry about all that stuff. It's a different state of mind, so I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh wait, that's right. Steph was the other guitar player. Yeah, on the, on the second album, he was uh, the second guitarist. Yep. Oh wow! I, you know, I it's man, my my memory is like shot. I'm the same way. Trust me. <laughs> I was like, I forgot Steph was even in that band actually. Yeah, well, it was kind of a weird thing. He joined us and. Then he had, he got an injury from playing live with his ears. Yeah. So then yeah. He, he stopped playing with us. So it was a short period of time, really. And it was kind of unfortunate because that's really where the band fell apart. Like when we lost Stefan, we didn't know we lost him because he just kind of disappeared for a while. He just said like, oh, you know, my ears, like he had this awful issue with tinnitus and yeah. he couldn't be around loud music for a long time. And we had shows booked and all that. So we started playing without him. And I think over time, it just kind of like ran its course. And um, we were actually itching to do Unearthly Trance again, to be honest. And that's where it went. And then we never went back to it, you know? Yeah, I actually, uh, I had Steph on this podcast a couple of years yeah. ago. And, uh, or I don't know, actually, I don't even know how long ago it was. I can't even reckon time anymore these days. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, his, his uh, that band Godin that he did, that record is a is, incredible man right yeah he uh he started doing that after serpentine i know he was he talked about it for a while and he had a lot of stuff written for a long time 
so he would he was always telling us about all these ideas he had and i think um for whatever reason it didn't work out in serpentine path but he's the kind of guy that's like he's got a vision and he's gonna he's gonna find it and it's cool because it's like that band is very Stefan, like it's his vision and it's like he's a old school dude you know, with winter and all that so he's an interesting character like he he's um he was the kind of guy that just like goes down his own path and has his own thoughts and i respect him for that yeah i i stay in touch with him man like we um yeah we talk a lot talked about him. I'm sorry, honestly i thought like serpentine path kind of came and went it was like it was a weird thing yeah, we, we talk a lot about like training stuff and like nutrition because that's you know that's his oh, gig. You know, he's a master. That's totally, that. totally. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. He was a super, super into health, healthy guy, and it was like refreshing <laughs> to have someone like that in the band because we were like not the healthiest bunch of dudes. You know, like we're just metal dudes drinking and smoking. You know, how people tend to do. And he was like, oh, like. I'm super fit and I'm into all this cool and I know like I'm vegetarian. I'm into health stuff. So I bonded with him a bit on that. And he's like, um, well read, like super interesting guy. You know, with, with earthly trance, uh, you know, there was like a very interesting collection of stuff going on with the music. Cause I, you know, I, I'd heard the band before I actually knew you guys personally, you know, and, and, uh. um, you know, because of the relapse stuff, when I was a fan of that label for years, and mm -hmm. you know, and there was like, you know, you guys released a bunch of material on that label, and um, I was also a big fan of Evoking, and it all kind of fit together, you know. But but the approach that that UT had was very uh, very unique, I felt, because you know, yes, there's a black metal thing, there's a doom thing, but also uh, I felt like in a weird subtle way. There was almost like this kind of like um, melodic, like pop sensibility to a lot of the way the songs were constructed and the way the vocals kind of worked, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, I think, because that was always my goal is to write good songs. Like, you know, like the goal was like to make the heaviest band possible, whatever, like we thought that was. And but like still have like really good songs, well-written songs and that was always my focus. And I think songwriting was the focus of that band because we tried different things. We, you know, different elements, different, you know, speeds of like, we have, we had fast songs, slow songs, um, songs where I was singing more melodic, like on electrocution, that album, I did a lot more melodic singing. And so I think the whole approach we took basically after our first album, which was really, really slow and was not actually our, the way we really were. It was just like where we were at that time. And we got pigeonholed as this like, you know, super extreme doom, like slow, slow. And we were like, actually, we're not just a slow band. And so we, we kind of went out of our way to break being pigeonholed as a doom band, like on purpose. And it's good and it's bad because no, till this day, people can't really say, oh, you, know, you guys are a doom band. Because nowadays, doom is like defined as, you know, like sleep and things like that. And when we were growing up, doom was like, more metal based and like we had a lot of like European doom influences, just different doom and sludge and stuff like that we all mixed together because we didn't know any better. And it was just our influences. Like bands like I God, like Neurosis. All of that was huge to us. 
Yeah, you know, and, and the only band, actually, one of the questions I had was, when you guys in Europe, did, didn't UT have like a little bit more of like a bump in Europe than in the States? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. We played a lot of awesome shows. Like, like we went to all these amazing countries and like in the UK and England, we, we, we've headlined lots of awesome shows because our first two records were on Rise Above, Lee Dorian's label. Right. So that gave us a lot of um, like early support over there. And then people always came out and saw us. And we also would tour with um, Ramesses, which is Tim Bagshaw's band that he did after Electric Wizard, who was in Serpentine Pass. So Tim, yeah, we would tour with them over there. And we, like, we had really successful tours. And their booking agent, Christiane, was great. So like, we would play all these great shows. Like we got to go to Norway, and Sweden. Lots of great shows we played. And compared to here, we were nobodies. And that, that was always the joke. Like we would, we won't even do a U.S. tour because nobody even cared. Like, and it's funny because I think at the time it was a completely different thing. Like we could go to Europe and come home like making money, you know, and come back here and rough it in a crappy van and get you know a hundred bucks a night. It's it's just a strange dynamic. I think we were the kind of band that. European metalheads took to better than American metalheads. And I think it was the time, like the early 2000s, you know, it was a weird place for metal in America. Oh, yeah, for no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, especially the UK, like that style, I feel like is very yeah. much, especially in that era, like pretty much yeah. dominated by UK bands for sure. Totally. And like we were into it and, you know, Lee Dorian was really cool to us and he kind of opened he took a chance and signed us like we were just unknown you know and seasons of science 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 of silence our first record like we went from being completely unknown to being like oh wow like lee dorian likes us and he just put out our record and people like want us, us to come on tour is like kind of crazy you know yeah, that's great man i i uh it's funny i talked to i was just in germany a few weeks ago about a month ago and uh mm -hmm. i was at this small festival called uh Unur unholy passion and uh yeah you know a lot some of the bands that hadn't been to the states you know they don't they don't really understand how difficult and brutal it is touring yeah. in the united states versus touring over in europe and and that's not to say that it's easy in europe but there are just certain amenities that are available to you like for example yep. at the festival and and this is like a this fest is basically a just a show like a you know 600 person you know type of get together you know yeah and um like I'd, I'd almost forgotten about the hospitality in europe you know like there's like a separate building you know all the bands are like are getting fed like multiple yeah, you know, yeah. a couple different meals like it's clean you know there aren't totally. like like dicks drawn everywhere like in the united states when you go to a green room <laughs> there's always like cocks drawn on the wall and everything you oh know? And in, in the U.S., you're lucky if you get, like, a pizza. <laughs> it's exactly, dude. It's like, you know, and then that's, um, you know, some of the bands that were on that bill, I was talking to some of the dudes, and they were just like, yeah, we want to go to the States. I'm like, well, you know, you know, strap in. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a rough ride. And the thing is, is because there's so many bands that tour, and there's so much ground to cover in america so you have to be really strategic about where you tour to not like lose your ass driving like you know 15 hours you know like if you're not careful you could totally screw yourself in america 
So you have to know where to go and like what not to do, in my opinion. You know, and just certain parts of the country are just not into the kind of stuff that probably both of yeah. our bands do. You know what I mean? Like the right. mid, the Midwest and like, you know. And there, there may be spots, but like you have to like do a long drive to get just like get through a big part of the country or just get to the West Coast, man. It's like, all right, which way we go when we get to the West Coast? Yeah. And it's really ob- the obvious way to go. It's not in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the Howling Wind and Thraldom are, are they're, they're pretty much like straight up like black metal kind of yeah. uh, projects that you worked on and and uh, mm-hmm. like that's some of the stuff like before i got to know you that's some of the stuff that i i was into you know before getting to know you and jay and you know yeah personally and um do you think you would do a project like that like that again like something in that vein well to be honest um yes and no uh, um me and tim the drummer of the howling wind we're, we're recording one last album because i'm kind of like I'm not sure how much more I have to, to say in that style. Like right. I could, I could keep doing it, but like, I guess I'm not as inspired as I used to be to create quote unquote black metal. You know, there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way these days. I still listen to bands and you know all the stuff I love and classics. I'm not really so concerned about doing black metal anymore. But having said that, I have all these songs written that we're gonna do and do one last um, Howling Wind record. I think for me. I'm not as into doing vocals as I used to. So a big part of these bands is me like screaming my you know head off and doing really harsh vocals, which I don't do as much to be, to be honest. Do you have so material? Kind of like, do you have material written for that project yet? Oh yeah, for for like years now. Oh, okay, <laughs> like, all right. It takes us a while to get to stuff, and so it's kind of like a slow brewing thing. Like we did an EP last year, and um, we're just gonna put out one more record and then be done but i'm always into doing new projects because the howling wind we did since 2006 as a remote band like tim lives in portland he lives in seattle now and he lives in portland but the entire course of the band we've been remote so it's interesting but also it's challenging to get stuff done what what is it about black metal these days that turns you off to uh to the music i feel like so much of it is like rooted in aesthetics rather than music and so a lot of the new bands are just like repackaged versions of a lot of other bands i've heard for and there's so many bands so much stuff to wade through to get through the good stuff and i find most of the classic bands you know are superior to a lot of the newer bands i hear and i think just the oversaturation and the kind of gimmickiness of it all just kind of it's worn thin on me you know and it's like I'm just more interested in bands being creative than being like you know, devoted to Satan and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that definitely. Uh, you know, when it's more about like corpse paint and like the yeah. sort of you know like hitting all the points that you have to hit to. Like it's so commercialized now. Like the, like the, there's no difference between a black metal band and like like a metalcore band and a death metal. It's just another flavor of metal where I think. Years ago, black metal was a little bit more of like outsider music. And I think maybe that's kind of lost its charm a bit for me, which sounds kind of like, you know, oh, I was into it first, cool guy shit. But it's just, I think it's just a years and years of listening to this music. It's like, I know what's good and what's not good. And I'd say 90% of black metal is not very good and 10% is great. So it's like, 
in the classics to me are always the classics but it's just not really where my head is at i guess me being a parent and stuff like that sure your, your brain your brain changes a little bit like what's important and you know i'm not into religion or anything like that but it's kind of like i think being into black metal is like a religious thing almost like you have to like really be serious about like like a satanic thing and i'm just that's not me you know yeah. there's actually a lot of great bands that are active in that style that you, know, you have to look for it though you know what i mean if if you're like yeah i mean i i definitely come across things here and there like I'm, it's not that i don't listen to it ever but i think i used to be obsessed with it whereas now i'm, I'm just kind of like maybe moving beyond i don't know same thing with doom i'm like i used to play in a doom band forever but i, I don't listen to it you know what kind of stuff are you into man like as far as um, like, you know, music to be honest, I listen to a lot of a lot of classic metal, a lot of old, you know, my favorites rather than listening to new stuff or digging into like bands I never heard before. But I'm not really in a, a place where I'm like discovering new music, honestly. So it's kind of like I'm just going through my collections. Yeah, oh, what about this? I you know like more than looking for new i'm just kind of like settling in with what i have and being content with that because i just i don't know if my brain can handle like so much more music you know <laughs> like, you, you hear so much stuff and you like i have tons of records i haven't even listened to you know so speaking, of, like... speaking of classics have you uh you're, you're i'm assuming you're a celtic frost fan right oh of course yeah <laughs> uh for the holiday season i i gave myself a little present i got that uh dance macabre uh, box set of all the all oh, the wow. LPs, you know, which, you know, it's funny. I have most of that stuff already, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, just having like the remastered versions on colored vinyl, there's a book, there's a poster, like cassette, like oh, all that kind of that's stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Like, you know, some of these Sabbath re-releases they've done, like just awesome, cool things that you can just really geek out on. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I love digging into the past honestly there's something about i think the era when you got into metal is something special about it like like that's been the magic with like as a young kid so that's why like young kids like i feel like metal hardcore punk it's like you know a young person's game like because they get into it and they get inspired and they want to do crazy shit and then the older you get you know you have experience and you think things a little differently but i don't i'm still into playing super heavy music so it's like I always knew what I wanted to do, but as you get older, you, you approach things differently. That's the way I would say. I agree with that, man. Um, one quick thing about Celtic Frost that I, I want to get your, your read on this is uh, okay. conspicuously, the Cold Lake record is <laughs> absent from the Dance Macabre collection. So what are your thoughts that's, on that? That's totally lame. That's totally lame. Like, I, there's good songs on that record. Honestly, like to me, it's like get, show, give it to everyone, warts and all. You know, like don't don't filter something out that like you don't like anymore and say, oh, it never existed. Like that's lame. You know, I, I finally I found someone who agrees with me on this because I I quite like that record actually. Yeah, my my buddy Derek Derek Schilling, he got me into Celtic Frost and. We used to like go. I used to go to his house and he'd have Cold Lake, and we'd put it on and like you know trip out to it because it's not. It's like, you know, they were like trying to be like, like, L.A. Guns or something. You know, they were not trying to be the old version, but it's it's the character still came through. So I like I like some of the songs in that 
on that record. And I, I don't think they should sanitize the catalog. You know? I think it would have been really cool if he put that out on, as part of that collection too. You know what I mean? Cause like when I first heard about this thing, I was like, Oh uh-huh. man, is he going to do like, you know, cold Lake? Is that going to be part of it too? And yeah, it sucks. You know? But, you know, that's Tom. He's very dramatic. <laughs> I don't even think that record is on, like, any of the streaming services either. It's, you're probably right. It's, like, only on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have my own copy of it because, like... Oh, do you? I don't have a copy of that. Yeah, yeah. When Well, you know... Maybe CD. No, I even have the CD. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid when, when it came out, so it's like, you know... Yeah, you, I, you, I, didn't, I wasn't hip to um, Frost when I was a kid. It took, like, more in my... Like early twenties, I got into them a lot. Yeah, I heard about them on an interview that was on um, a radio station. It was an interview with Lars Ulrich, and it was on mm-hmm. the Metal Shop radio station uh, show on uh, WXCI, which is uh, like a Western Connecticut college station. When I was like in high school, and oh cool! I was like. Oh shit, man! All the, he just listed all these bands. I should check them out because I love the metallic. Obviously, you know, yeah. to this day, I mean, those records are classics to me. But I'll so I, I tried to find a record by Celtic Frost because you know, back in the eighties, you you couldn't just like you know call up something. You had to find the physical record somewhere. The only record that was available was Cold Lake. So huh. that's probably the first Celtic Frost record I ever bought. And that's maybe, cool. And, and but it's I I back it a hundred percent though as a, as a solid. Album, I get it. You know because the other thing is like back in those days like you got a record and like you listened to it like you didn't have the option of just like going through a million things before you decided what you want. You had to take your money, buy it, and live with it. And so like things that you didn't love at first, you might like just keep listening or you try to understand it. But I think those days people took more time with listening to music as opposed to now where there's so many options like. You, know, you can listen to something for 10 seconds it's like ah next something else but now but back then it was like so like whatever you brought home you kind of got into for me like weird bands like not a lot of people like yeah you know and, and also like that style like back then you know i i think people remember things differently maybe but like i know when i was a kid there was definitely a difference between slayer and motley crew right but oh yeah that bridge between the two was a lot more subtle than it became years later. You know what I mean? Like, like back then, like the metalheads I knew when I was growing up, you know, they like Scorpions. They like Motley Crue. They like Rat. They like Sabbath. They like Slayer and Metallica. So to be like, it, it was, it was like a shade of the same thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, it had a lot to do with the guitar playing and like the heavy metal guitar playing. It just was like yeah. a different intensity level depending on the band. But you know, as time went on, you know, and maybe that's because I grew up like way out in the suburbs too. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, you only were able to get what you were able to get out there. You know, I, I'm True. not a particularly urban like dude. And uh, but then as time went on, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, the fucking hair metal, like whatever. But it's like it wasn't that big of a difference, really, you know, for, at least from my point of view as a young no. kid. I think it was like a lot of people afterwards, like, oh, I never listened to any of that stuff. That's not cool. Like, I grew up listening to plenty of hair metal bands and I still, I, and we didn't even call it hair metal. 
back. And so that's like the, that's like a revisionist term. Anyway. Absolutely, man. It was just heavy metal. Yeah. Or like when it got really like, like if you know glam rock, we call it like glam metal, like poison, and that, that's when you knew like it was something different. Like, right. Like, but even, you know. But you know, Wasp and like and uh, like L.A. Oh, Rat Guns. Is awesome. Yeah, L.A. Guns. I thought first, their the first mm-hmm. L.A. Guns record is great. Well, that's the thing. It's like Cold Lake is like L.A. Guns. He's wearing like an L.A. Guns shirt or something like that. And like I like the first L.A. Guns album. It's pretty pretty awesome. Second one too, I think. Yeah, actually, the second one's but cocked and loaded. I think is the second yeah. one. Yeah, they had, they had like more like sugary songs on that one, like catchy, like classic 80s songs. I I just listened to the first LA Guns record like a couple days ago. Actually, you know, Show No Mercy. You know, like, yeah, that stuff's all good stuff, man. Definitely. Yeah, they were cool. They were like, like them and Guns and Roses at first. They were kind of similar vibes, but then they totally went. Off the charts, Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're, they're like a classic band, really, to a lot of people. I know. You think about like, Guns N' Roses, just like they could just sell out around the world. Incredible. Well, Ryan, thanks a lot, man, uh, for taking awesome. the time out of your day. And, uh, yeah, that was yeah, fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, checking you guys out in the coming months. And um, Awesome. Yeah, man. So definitely, I'm going to dive into the EP. Uh, I'm yeah. going out to uh, to brooklyn tonight to check out uh disassociate and uh death cycle so i got a little bit of a drive Where? They're, they're playing at the meadows wow ralphie boy yep I, dude it's like i i was gonna see they, they reformed again earlier in the year and i got sick and i wasn't able to check them out i i bought tickets in advance so oh, i'm wow. definitely definitely gonna it's a, you know it's holiday That's season cool. whatever That's it should be school. fun Oh yeah, man! It's gonna be a lot of a lot of friends will be there tonight too. You there? Yeah, man. Oh, I lost you for a second. Oh no, nah, I'm here. All right, dude. So uh, happy New Year, and um, yeah, same to you, man. Yeah, man, and have a have a great weekend. Take care. All right, all right. Thanks a lot, man. You have got it. Bye bye. <laughs>